Welcome back to another episode on the sports betting series. And buckle up, as today is technically a double header. We have already discussed how casinos and bookmakers use sound mathematical laws to ensure the favor is always with the house. So, the next overarching question is, how do they entice us to keep us betting despite our clear disadvantage? In the first half, we look at the more old-fashioned, yet still effective, in-person betting tricks. And in the second half, we turn our attention to the perhaps more perturbing world of online gambling. Oh, and I realize I've been completely lacking in puns in recent episodes, but today you might actually get lucky. Enjoy. So how do casinos and bookmakers keep enticing people to place bets? Remember, their business model depends on lots of people betting lots. But surely after enough losses, or once we realize the game is stacked against us, we would walk away. Well, the answer to this is threefold. First is our bias and our irrationality that keeps us interested, as we discussed in part one. Then there is the nature of playing the game, which we will discuss when this series looks at gambling addiction. And finally, it is because, to some degree, the human brain and senses have been biohacked. And this is the focus of today's episode. Let me caveat this section by first saying, remember why anyone gambles at all. It's a form of entertainment. It's fun. And like most entertainment, we are happy to spend at least some money if we have a good time along the way. It's a small part of why we work, right? To hopefully afford our basic needs and then to look to spend money and some time on enjoying ourselves. But with so many types of entertainment and with so many things to spend our money on and even so many different gambling choices, how do these businesses tempt us? Well, a key weapon is that they have a greater knowledge of our psychology and our biology than we do. A couple of these things you might know or have experienced. Have you ever been offered free drinks in a casino? Maybe you felt flattered, and if so, I'm sorry to bring you down, but I mean, could there be a more obvious move? It's hard to turn down a fancy cocktail that just appeared in front of us at no charge, and after three of those, you are likely to be in a good and less sensible mood. And of course, once you lose a few rounds, Were the drinks really free? Then, more subtly, casinos smell good. Even though it can be hundreds of sweaty, tipsy people sitting around for hours on end, yet casinos smell great. What gives? No, it's not the luck of the Irish you can smell. It's actually that casinos pump in scents and smells to create feelings of arousal and comfort. We aren't as conscious of our sense of smell compared to that of our eyes and ears, yet it has a powerful effect. Smells are very much associated with memories, so they look for smells that a lot of people associate with calming, relaxing, and enjoyable experiences. This will keep you there longer. The longer you're there, the more money the casino will make. And these positive feelings might even bring you back next time, seeking those same feelings of comfort. In very, very simplistic terms, They are rewiring your brain to have happy memories of sitting there. Journalist and former White House correspondent 
Cheryl Stolberg, reported as far back as 1994 that, quote, gamblers put 45% more quarters into slot machines when a Las Vegas casino was scented with a pleasant smell. Also, side note, it is a myth that they pump extra oxygen in to give people a high because that is illegal and in most places, a very obvious massive fire hazard. But they take this logic of pleasant feelings equaling more gambling to the architecture and decor. There was a time when some casinos were designed like a maze with no windows or clocks, so you lose track of time and have to walk past 20 more tempting games before you can even leave. This has given way to more positive persuasion. New casinos are designed to create feelings of comfort and luxury. They are more adult playgrounds. Tasteful, extravagant interiors with high ceilings, plenty of natural light, many fountains and sculptures. This subtly alludes to notions of importance and satisfaction, implying that one is above a certain threshold of disposable income to even be there. The red carpet is rolled out, especially for the high rollers. It has more of a resort feel alongside luxury hotel suites, swimming pools, and with some of the finest restaurants along with their own alluring smells. And there was you thinking that was just winner-winner chicken dinner. You will also find some of the most famous artwork in the world in casinos. And of course, in many high-end casinos, you will easily find an escort service and it probably won't be hard to access narcotics. How do they afford all of this? Well, such is the nature of the business model. All of these costs up front are easily worth it when it is so effective at getting people inside and feeling good and spending money. They are exploiting our senses and our psychology. And to be fair, so you don't think I have a chip on my shoulder, some people won't mind being influenced by such tactics and they enjoy being in such grand places. To link this back to sport, how is this feeling of luxury, importance and grandeur different from the environment created at big horse races? The Kentucky Derby, the Grand National, the Dubai World Cup, such events are certainly for the long-time big-name punters. But their status also casts a wider net. It's almost less about being there than to be seen to be there, and to finally show off your extravagant hat. To be clear, I'm not criticizing the positive feelings when shaking hands with a celebrity and a top hat and tails. There is a broader discussion to be had about how we structure and what we value in society. My point is that this all feeds, at least to some degree, into getting people there and to get people betting. Horse racing is one of the oldest events for bookmakers. I say again, it's not about who wins, but that people bet. I should know this. My grandfather was a long-standing bookmaker at Bardell Racecourse in Harare in Zimbabwe. And if he was still around, he would be a really great guest for this podcast. But thinking back to what he did tell me over the years, one justification for this kind of social conditioning that has happened around racecourses is that it is a social event. Especially in my grandfather's day, when you could not bet remotely, it meant a day out with friends. It meant dressing up, having some nice photos taken, having a good meal, or having a few drinks. Additionally, these other pleasant features break up the day, so one is not hanging on every race. And betting can be interwoven with some good conversations and, frankly, some good distractions. 
what I think is now available to the average punter in terms of sports betting and in terms of gambling in general seems to be more of the negative with none of the positive. I refer to online gambling. Technology has allowed the gambling industry to exploit their knowledge of our brains and our senses even further. Firstly, regarding those social elements. If you are in the corner of a dark betting shop, looking at the races hundreds of miles away, or worse still, you're by yourself at home staring at your phone, you are running all of the same risks inherent with gambling, but getting none of the social rewards of being with other people. More on this when we look at how gambling is advertised. This also means that less things are distracting you from betting, so there is a higher likelihood you might get addicted. And more on that on our future episode on betting addiction. And secondly, regarding the advent of technology, there are the designs of the games themselves. Let's start with the most obvious example, and it's a real killer for the players, slot machines. In terms of a house edge, they are perhaps the worst, as their odds of paying out can be programmed in any way that the owner wants. The band ABBA once sung, the winner takes it all, but I'm not sure if any of them had ever played slots. I think almost all of us know what slot machines look and sound like, even if we've never played one. The flashing lights, the loud music, and the the use of bright color. Those elements are not there by chance. I don't want to go too deep into the chemistry and biology of our brain, as one, that's not my field of expertise, and two, I shall explore more of this in the gambling addiction episode, and perhaps with a guest who is qualified to talk about this. But what is clear from research is that these sounds, lights, and colors cause an arousal response in humans, which means chemicals such as dopamine spike above their normal baseline. Dopamine is a crucial aspect of motivation and desire to gain or achieve something, but also of alertness and readiness. So without you consciously making any choices, simply the audio and visual display on a slot machine readies and motivates you to try and win. Casinos will try play down the effectiveness of these tactics, but they, along with anything else that can so acutely tap into dopamine release, is incredibly persuasive, whilst also being almost imperceptible. Slot machines also sometimes light up and make noise when their reels came close, but didn't line up, thereby giving your brain a small feeling of winning, even when you haven't. Studies have shown you get a positive reaction in anticipation of winning, or as you close in on your goal, which is nearly as significant as when you win. So just by playing, even if you're not winning, you are feeling good, and feeling good means you'll spend more. It is also shown that gamblers play faster when they are losing, as they are desperate to rid themselves of the feeling of disappointment and get back to that anticipatory, positive feeling. So you can see why time goes by and why it's hard to stop. And okay, Of course, I know not all betting is like slot machines, but with the use of mobile apps these days, that gap seems to be shrinking. The next time you are betting on your phone or on your laptop, or if you're with a friend who is, take a look at the screen. The online gambling and sports betting industries have hired some of the best user interface and user experience designers to maximize gameplay. Every color on the screen, each placement of the so-called call-to-action buttons, the sounds, 
and the way the notifications are displayed are chosen consciously to keep you gambling as long as possible. And these designers have a huge amount of data, so they know how effective such design choices can be. I spoke recently to a user interface designer for a sports betting company, and she says that reducing the number of steps from login to bet successfully placed can increase betting activity by 20% per step. Similarly, adding steps to the withdraw winnings process reduces withdrawals, something they don't want, by a similar margin. These choices can be so quickly reviewed and fine-tuned. Change a few lines of code, see what changes across a million players, and react accordingly. From a purely profit-generating perspective, it's actually quite admirable. Regular, large-scale trials with instant feedback and improvements. And before any of us cast judgment on those who gamble, let us remember that it's not just gambling that does this. A lot of these user interface tricks are present in e-commerce, social media, and most apps that benefit from us spending lots of time on them. I can say with 100% certainty, all of us have been influenced by these same tricks if you have ever used a smartphone. Having said that, I just have a thought that doesn't sit well with me, and I understand this is now my opinion. But this near flawless concoction of sensory appeal, backed by a huge amount of data and some of the brightest designers, is being beamed into the homes of so many people who cannot be expected to fully understand how their behavior is being manipulated. And manipulated not to better themselves, not to learn a language or acquire a new skill or to be fulfilled, but to gamble. I argue that, and I will return to this point many times, the business model is perhaps too effective. The playbook is airtight. Not to get political, but I did always chuckle when Donald Trump pointed to his casino business as proof of his business acumen. It very much seems to me that almost anyone with enough startup capital can start and run a profitable casino. Let me wrap up here by saying that the evidence I have just presented to you makes it clear that those who design and build the institutions and companies where we bet know us better than we know ourselves. They know us at a chemical level, they have studied what excites us and what motivates us, and they are using this knowledge to subtly get us to the table or to the betting app. And simply being aware and conscious of this is our first offense in not getting completely caught up and carried away in the fairy tale that could end in, amongst other things, defaulting on your mortgage. And it also means that hopefully when you do fancy a bet, you can place it, you can go to the match, and you can enjoy the whole package of the social occasion, not just the temporary highs and potentially permanent lows offered by the little colorful numbers on your phone screen. That ends another episode of the Sustaining Sport podcast. I'm experimenting a bit with episode length um, as I want to include as much relevant information as possible, but I know y'all have stuff to do and cannot spend all day listening to me. However, I really appreciate the time you take listening to me, so thank you so much. If you enjoyed it or have some comments, please find the show across all major social media platforms at Sustaining Sport. And if this was your first episode, please subscribe. 
What do I actually mean when I say that? I mean, if you're on Apple Podcast or Spotify, for example, scroll to the top of the show page and there will be a little button that says either follow or subscribe, which you can hit. Then if your notifications are on, you will be notified for new episodes, or at least you will see the latest episode when you open up those apps. Or subscribe by email at the website sustainingsport.com. And I will see you in the next one.